This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast, sponsored by The Fridge, Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and... Ryan Gills Gilbert. All socially distant from each other, which is always best. Someone visited our uh, studio yesterday, Zach, and they said it was just fine. Our friends at the Manhattan Running Company. Ben, ah. ben grabbed my uh, iPad that's been sitting in there for four months <laughs> now and brought it to me. He said, the studio looks great and they'll be in it soon to use it. So someone will be using it, spreading their running virus germs all over the WTC gig powered studio. Wouldn't want to catch that now. Yeah. Nobody wants to see me running. If I'm doing any running, I'm running from the man. Why am I running from the man? Because I stole a great deal at the fridge wholesale liquor. How was that for transition? Man. Wow. That's, that was art, man. They can hang that in a damn museum. The Fridge Wholesale Liquor, use their app, go online, order, pay, pick up, easy peasy at the fridge. Get to Tanner's, sit in the corner by yourself, don't catch the Rona, eat a hamburger, say hi to Charlie, overtip your waitress, and leave. That's my advice. The sponsors aren't, including Pizza Hut, but Gil's, how's work going? Hmm? It's going good, making good money, yeah. as always. Yep. Those people are over-tipping. I over-tipped my, uh, my Papa John's guy the other night. Yeah, that's right. Papa John's? What are you doing? I like their wings better, man. They're much better. Uh, they even have wings there? I didn't even know that. Oh, they're really good. Uh, no, actually, you know what? I just lied. It was a Pizza Hut guy. We did do Pizza Hut. Good. How was he? Was he nice? Uh, he friendly? Yeah. He gave me the big, uh, those big plastic trash bags you're using here in town to leave the food at your door are great. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, then I take uh, the trash bag and it's all hot and steamy and I stuff neighborhood kids in it and then try to throw them away. It's not really appreciated around the neighborhood. But that's just how I roll. Hey, the fireworks started here in Manhattan. It's a free fire zone. It's July 1st in Manhattan, Kansas. Blow up. Oh, I can't say that. Blow stuff up. <laughs> you can believe it out. I think I will. Oh, man. There's great controversy if Crazy will be, will be having his fireworks festival this year. He said no. Money is tight. But he has fireworks left over. So I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know how he could possibly have anything left over. I mean, frickin' Afghanistan and Iraq surrendered during last year's performance. They both just said enough. Anyhow, the 4th of July is around the corner. I hope you're buying America something beautiful, something great. A gift is always nice for the country that you love. Zach, uh, it's been a weird week, um, and uh, I wish I could go to the fridge right now to celebrate the weird week. I really wish I could go to Tanner's right now, but I can't. I'll just say this. We're about to dive into the deep end of the pool with your questions from Wabash Station. Here's Gills. From Campy3507, I'm glad to see all players have rallied around a common cause. While I don't like the black eye one person's tweet has left, I do think the unity and support I've seen from all of K-State could eventually help the university in the future. What do you think? I would agree. Um, 
I still see some people out there with, A, unrealistic expectations. You just can't kick someone out because they said something, even if they said something blatantly racist, which this was not. This You can deem this racist. You can deem it distasteful, certainly, but overtly racist? Come on. I mean, it was it was a horrible joke and probably wouldn't be made if the man was white, but the tweet itself, I don't know. You can't kick him out for that. It's called the First Amendment. I mean, it's you, you just are asking for trouble. I've got people saying, they've got to kick him out. Well, great. We'll take the lawsuit. Now, that's easy to say. That's easy to say. It just doesn't work that way. But, um, yeah, I think it has unified people, and I'm glad to see the athletes are understanding that. Uh, they've enlightened themselves to the point where we know there's no way to limit what some people say. You just need to limit how those people are exposed. And and uh, it's too early. I mean, people are, people are like, why didn't President Myers respond quicker? Why do you respond so quickly? It's There's just no – there's no agreed path on this. And this is uh, – there's still a lot of work to be done. And I, I agree that people should be upset. I agree. I wish this kid had nothing to do with Kansas State. The more I learn about him, folks, this isn't a run-of-the-mill, free speech, First Amendment. The guy's a Republican, and they're trying to stifle him. I mean, we just had a, a member, the Fabulous Sage, post an article from February. It's long before this about about this young man. I mean, this was a national article. This was done a long time ago about his growing presence in the in a very questionable community and that he's social media friends with four different people that marched at Charlottesville with torches. That kind of puts you out there, I think. But anyhow, Zach, <laughs> I'm just overwhelmed by everything going on. I literally am. Yeah, I think it's, it's overwhelming. Um, it, I absolutely love uh, the team coming together as one. Yeah. Um, I think, I think every single player, if they're on social media, they tweeted the same statement. And good for them for sticking up for that um, and sticking up for what they believe in. At the same time, yeah, I agree. It's it's going to be tough for the university to make a, a legal decision here to eliminate someone like most people are calling for. Yeah, I agree. I don't want anything to do with this kid. I don't want this kid anywhere near campus, um, you know, associated with K-State. Um, we don't. I don't want to see him getting a platform. Um, one of the reasons well, we haven't uh, mentioned him by name in our articles is because, you know, he loves this. This is what he wants. He wants people talking about him. And if you're using his direct name, you know, that's, that's ammo for him. Um, so I think the, I don't want to say ignore him, but um, if, if you know who he is, you can kind of, you don't need to bring him up, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, don't yeah. mention him on social media. Yeah. You know, don't don't go after him. Just let him be. Go away. And the other thing I want to say is, I really need people to understand that most of the responses in these threads supporting him are not K staters. A vast majority of them have been orchestrated by outside forces. I still don't know who sent Christina Carr the horrible, horrible crude drawing of her being hung. Uh, I, I wish she'd put their social media handle out there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would suspect it was not a case stater. He he has had a ally direct the minions of evil. I'll just call him that. That's my opinion, Zach. The minions of evil to intervene on his behalf and, and uh, harass case staters. That alone, I wish he could get kicked off for. Just that alone. Playing a role in so many people connected to this university being attacked by people that he endorsed to come over by encouraging it. Yeah, I, and I read the student code of conduct conduct multiple times over the last few days. Just you know, early on, just trying to figure out is there anything here that he's done specifically, and that's about the only that's thing. It. But he's very smart. He doesn't directly say anything that he doesn't need to say. He kind of lets his other, you know, his friends do the talking for him. And these aren't unknown friends. These are friends that are known in national circles for what they espouse. I hope there is a really good side to this. I, I hope 
that people understand K-State is limited in what it can do. I mean, it can do anything. It just will face horrific legal and PR nightmares and turn this kid into a martyr, um, which is what he wants, right, Zach? That seems to be pretty clear at exactly. this point. He loves this. This is the only way it appears, in my opinion, he can get love and attention. It's from the far, far right nut jobs who like to carry torches around. Those are his people, according to his own social media. Uh, it's unfortunate he's decided to come to Kansas State University, but here he is. Just give him his degree and tell him to go away. From Follis Nelson, do you think that the unity of the football team has shown will carry on and translate to more success on the field? I hope so. I mean, I hope we even have a season to this matters. Honestly, guys, if the reality of not having a season wasn't hovering over this, don't you think people would be a little more worried about about the entire team saying, we're not going to play unless this and this happens. I think most people are like, well, there's not going to be a season anyhow. So, okay, we stand with you. I mean, it is troubling, but in some ways, in other ways, I'm like Zach. It's really cool to see the entire team and the coaches all on board with this. Yeah, something needs to be done. Um, And unfortunately, that's going to be meetings and you know, it's not going to be the decisive action some people are demanding. It just can't take place. But I hope it does mean great deal of unity. I hope they're healthy enough. Everyone is to play football in the fall. And I hope we get to games so we can put this crap behind us. Yeah, I agree. I think that, yeah, like I said, you know, it's it's really cool to see the football team coming together as one. The whole athletic department for the in reality um, and the university, it's not just the football team here. You know, it's, it's alumni. It's people that are associated with K-State that are coming together. Um, I think this is the greatest show of unity that K-State's shown in a really long time. And I'm really proud to, to see it. Um, But hopefully, and something that's kind of lost, you know, through this protest and boycott is they're, they're shut down right now because of COVID. I know. I kind of forget about that. Yeah, but... you, people have. Uh, they, they're not going to take part in any activities. Well, there are none right now until after <laughs> yeah. the fourth. So hopefully, this unity and it kind of speaks back to what we were talking about before they showed up on campus. Have they been, you know, working towards the goal individually? You know, working out by themselves. You know, taking care of their bodies. They're going to have to do more of that right now, especially you know throughout the protest if if it continues or, or whenever it ends, um, because at some point they will, it will end. They will come back. They will participate in team activities and football will be played. Who knows when that'll be. But I think that if the same mindset, if they had a good mindset, um, throughout all the quarantines and stuff through April and May and did their workouts, hopefully that carries over through the time period right now. And that translates to the field later. Another question from Campy3507. Over a year after Kleiman's hiring, he has dealt with a ton of situations and circumstances. How would you rate his performance off the field in dealing with all he has seen so far? Um, we got a list of things here. First one, people opposed to his hiring. Transfers, COVID, social movements, and et cetera. I, I think he's done a really good job with all of this. You know, he's kind of handled what's in his realm and – and not worried about other things. He's always stayed player focused. The players love him. You know, the the players were upset, but none of them were upset at him or the coaches or really any university officials. They were upset about a student and a culture that allows these guys to have voices. Zach, it's time to find a way to get his group off campus. I mean, uh, they're clearly aligned with some really bad people, and I think it goes beyond free speech. You're talking about safety issues, I, I think, at some point. Um, but I don't know how they'll handle that, but I think the coaches have done a really good job. I think Chris Kleiman and Gene Taylor uh, have have hit most of the right notes here along the way. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that his group is associated with the university, and quite frankly, I'm kind of tired of, of talking about him at this point. And, and I don't know if anybody else is in the group. Uh, to That's be completely exactly right. 
he's the, you know, this, he's the figurehead. I don't know if anybody's around him because I think if anybody associates with them, you know, people are going to get, they're going to get the same treatment from the rest of the K-State community. So, um, I don't think that anybody wants to touch him, but ending that, um, talking about Chris Kleiman, I think this started day one, the night he flew in, uh, to talk to the guys, he said he was a player's coach. The players have loved him from the moment he stepped in to the team theater and said that, Hey, I'm your new coach. Let's, let's get it going. Win the damn day, win the dang day. Um, so I think that everything, you know, he's given them a long leash. Um, you know, he lets them be individuals and lets them, you know, be who they want to be. And if something's important to them, such as what's happened, he's going to stick up for them. I think that Chris Kleiman has shown that he has his players backs and he's not afraid, um, to publicly show it like he has on Twitter. Um, and I don't know if there was a, I don't think there was a question asked in the, in the thread or if it was, I missed it, but I don't know what would have happened if, if Bill Snyder was still the coach and this same situation was happening. I'm not sure how it would be handled today versus how Chris Kleiman's handling it because Chris Kleiman is handling it very well. Correct. Yeah. His on the field performances have been a lot better than we expected. You know, people would be happy if we just made a bowl game in year one and we got eight wins with the win over Oklahoma. So certainly on the field, he did great. And then, you know, just off the field, you know, he's, he's able to adapt and adjust to things like this. Not that, you know, coach Snyder wouldn't be able to, but certainly um, he's a little younger and he can you know kind of prepare and, you know, deal with this situation and try to move past it as best as possible. I don't know if the same could really be said about Snyder. That's not a knock on him at all, but it probably would have been a little different. Next question from Ed. What are your thoughts on the naming proposal of several prominent sports buildings and other items after those involved in making K-State the first school to integrate the conference and first to declare they had the right to play whoever they wanted, wherever they wanted? I love it. I'm not... I'm not sure we want to just name buildings, though. I mean, no. I mean, outside of a stadium or an actual building, I don't think renaming the West Stadium Center or something will really honor people. I think actual physical structures, statues. Um, I wish there was a little corner of the stadium where you know little monuments or something heads. What am I trying to say? What is that, Zach? Like when you've got a your head is displayed or your face is on a plaque uh the monument whatever yankee stadium yeah. the monument yeah something. monument park maybe up there in that one let me get my directions right uh northeast corner where there's kind of a dead spot in the you know maybe put the hall of fame ring of fame guys up there maybe harold robinson needs to go up there he was a very good football player he did leave early school but maybe Maybe he needs to go up there. Any, they should have a, a statue to Harold and and other people that have fought. So I, I love the sentiment in it. Let's put it that way. Let's find the best way to execute it. I think I think uh, K Net has hit a really good note with K State's administration. I think this would be a really perfect time to do these things. Harold Robinson deserves to be honored and known better for what he did and what he tolerated at Kansas State. Yeah, I'm not sure what I would rename or what I would name. But one thing's for certain K-State needs a hall of fame, a proper building right. 365 day a year structure that houses the important moments of K-State sports history and the, the hall of fame or the walk of whatever you want to call it. That's underneath the West stadium center does not do K-State justice. No. for for what has happened in its history. So I think that the, that's the first thing. If you want to um, honor the past, honor everything, make a Hall of Fame, make it accessible to the public. Yeah, um, I agree. And actually I, tr- and treat and treat your past as important to what you're doing today. And uh, that was always my hope for the East Stadium, you know, where they're now going to put the indoor facility, but they would actually put – a structure there that was a hall of fame, all sports hall of fame and museum of everything that's happened at Kansas state. Um, kind of serve as a university museum, but also really as a sports museum. 
and honestly, also uh, an upper terrace, or upper floors of that to house the administration and get them out of the actual football complex. I do, I'm not comfortable with that, to be honest. Um, this administration has shown no reason to be dis- uncomfortable with it, but the prior one did get in the way of daily operations of other of coaches and things by being in the same building. So I don't know. Maybe that'll happen with the grand scheme on the west side of Bramlage. Maybe the Sports Hall of Fame can be incorporated to that uh, because you will go to basketball games more than football. Um, so you would actually have an opportunity to see that more often if it was attached to the basketball arena, but still be open for football because now, honestly, there'll be football stadium seating attached to Bramlage starting in 21 with that east or the south structure there. You'll have to go in through Bramlage to get to those seats and maybe having an all sports Hall of Fame right there in Bramlage would be really, really, really cool. Last question of the first half from KNED. Which is more important, the fact that you honor an achievement today or that you honor it in a way that educates and impacts the future? Uh, I don't think there's one over the other. I think I, I, I do agree with this. I think we don't appreciate our history enough because we don't do a good enough job telling that story. You know, I mean, I like that President Myers pointed out that Bluemont College, what is now Kansas State, was born at the start of the Civil War because we were a free territory. That's what the border war with Missouri was about. They wanted to be a slave territory. There was forces there for slavery, and Kansas was pretty unified, you know, with uh, being a free state. And John Brown was kind of the, the main historical figure with that. I don't know if he was the main figure throughout the state, but he certainly with history has turned into that. I I don't think people should forget that Kansas was a free territory. And I saw someone state that, you know, they're not surprised that all this racism happens at Kansas State because it's Kansas. Look, I don't think there's an overwhelming amount of racism at Kansas State. I think it exists and I think it exists everywhere. And that's the thing that makes me the most angry about all this is that people now think Kansas State is something it's not. Does it need to get better? Yeah. Are there students that feel uncomfortable? Yeah. But should we remember the history and how this has been a forward-thinking institution? Yeah, probably that. Yeah, let's do that. And let's build some statues and some honor some of the people who made all of that possible. I, I love the proposals by KNED. That's going to do it for the first half of the PowerCat podcast sponsored by The Fridge. That half was like a Tanner's appetizer. So good. Oh, I miss their uh, potato skins. Oh, my God. We'll be back. We'll all be back. But I won't have Tanner's. Are they Skinzo Tanner's? I don't know. Oh. Stay locked in. The PowerCat podcast will be right back. Chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire now streaming on Paramount Plus. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions podcast sponsored by The Fridge. It was a nice little first half. It was okay. If I could say one thing, I'd like to extend my appreciation to this whacked out, what I believe to be a uh, racist kid, uh, for giving us stuff to talk about. It's kind of painful for everyone, but from a selfish standpoint, this is kind of nice. We, I have stuff to write about. I have stuff to talk about. <laughs> Jerk. I, I'm just so unhappy. I'm so unhappy that people think Kansas State is a bad place when it's not. Not perfect. Not Nope, not perfect. It's not a utopia. It's okay. It's okay, and we're going to make it better. By God. And you know what's going to make your day better? By going to the fridge. Get into the fridge. This half is sponsored by the High Low. Speaking of pizza, sorry, 
Gills, the high-low has the best pizza in town. Not that place that uh, used to be in Aggieville, but ran for cover from competition with the high-low. Well, not really, but it sounds like a good story. Here's your second half of the Pyrocat Question podcast. Questions podcast. Here's Gills. First question of the second half from Claws Out, Balls Out. With all the COVID spikes across the country, what odds would you give the season happening this fall? Could you read uh, the name there again? Yeah. Could you read that name again for me? Claws Out, Balls Out. I just wanted to hear you say it again. Can we do it one more time? Yeah, do it one more time. It's fun. Claws Out. Balls out. out. Beautiful. Beautiful. The podcast just got better. <laughs> uh, what was the question again? Uh, so much COVID. Will we have football? What are the odds that we got see, uh, football season? Yeah. Um, okay. I, I'm i tired of this being political. I posted that on Twitter on uh, what day is it? On Tuesday night. I'm tired of everyone politicizing this. I've really, I'm really trying to pay attention to facts and get through opinions here. It appears the version of COVID circulating right now is not nearly as severe it's still very infectious. A lot of people are getting it, but the hospitalizations and the severe cases seem to be way down and deaths are down in most areas uh, from everything I'm seeing. Uh, I don't know if that'll continue or if it's just a summer thing or there's a worse bug out there, they'll come back. We might have a shot here. We might. Uh, but as soon as someone, Zach, as soon as someone gets really sick, a coach or a player particularly, it's going to freak people out. It'll just yeah. freak them out. And or and look what happened at the very start of this with the NBA. It didn't even have to be college basketball. It was the NBA. Those guys were all fine, but they had it, and it freaked us out. This time, we'll know that a lot of people have it. But as soon as someone gets really sick, um, even if it's baseball or, you know, I'm seeing a lot of infections in soccer now or the NBA in Orlando. Someone gets really, really sick and ends up in the hospital and there's questions about, you know, their ongoing health or survivability. Things will come to an end. I actually have a more optimistic view here, and it's for Good. one reason and one reason only. Masks are now mandatory in most states, and they're going to be mandatory for the foreseeable future. So I think that you know, if people actually take this seriously and wear their mask and avoid mass shutdowns like we had um, in April and May, uh, if you wear your mask, the data shows it's going to prevent spread. So if we can prevent the spread, if we can get the curve down, actually down, not just kind of flat to what it was, get it down over the next couple of months. And I think that, you know, there's a good chance we have football, maybe not on time, uh, and probably not with fans, but it will probably, I feel a lot better saying that if, if everyone takes wearing masks seriously, um, we'll have sports at some point. I, in I think the future. if we change our measurement from cases, which we're finding a lot more because we're testing a lot more, heck, maybe the younger generation had it all along and we just didn't know it because they don't show symptoms quite often. And they really are very prone to being perfectly healthy carrying it even if they get some symptoms they're not very severe typically so maybe we're now just discovering it and they've always had it but if we change our measurement to hospitalizations and actual covid patients in the icu requiring ventilation i think that measurement will be much more kind at least at this moment um but like i said someone gets sick boy it changes everything it changes everyone's thinking and you know there's some coaches out there that aren't of the best health and they will be around players that are carrying it and i just posted uh on my personal twitter a great article from the wall street journal that they're beginning to learn where the infections come from typically it's in uh, when you're around people for a long period of time in a confined space particularly not well ventilated and not wearing a mask and there's a famous case of a church choir. 87% of them ended up with COVID passed between them after one rehearsal. But, it, you know, just locally, it sounds like this passed through bars quite a bit. So if you do wear a mask or you do distance yourself and you are careful, you should be okay. There's still cases that are a little mysterious, but most of the cases seem to be coming out of large interior engagements of 
a prolonged exposure. And that, that's a good way to limit it. And wearing a mask, if you look at South Korea and Japan, appears to really help. Yeah, and I think, you know, you kind of mentioned it about hospitalizations and IC, people in the ICU. I mean, Houston right now is pretty much at capacity across the board as far as hospitals go, right. IC, hospital beds go, ICU beds go. Um, we'll need to see a lot more improvement there. Well, I need, to see, mat- I need to see numbers on what they're in there for. I'm, it's my understanding that it's not particularly COVID. There is a rise in COVID, but it, that's not why they're at capacity. It's a lot of people that weren't able to get in for treatment on other things that have now gotten to that point. Okay. Well, I don't know we'll that, see. but but just saying that, you know, anytime the hospital you know, capacity is full COVID or not, that needs to come down because, um, you know, I don't want to say all these football players are going to end up in the hospital, but, you know, having, having hospital beds available is critical to being able to function in society. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so contagious. I just found out that what four EMTs in Manhattan have it six, six now that, and they're testing because EMTs intertwined with fire in Manhattan. So now they're going to be testing a lot of fire personnel who are being quarantined who had shifts with them. It's just, yikes. This stuff is so contagious. And that's why people need to be careful because most of the people we're finding now that have it aren't really going to be affected by it. But boy, when you got EMTs that have it, who knows? They're, they're certainly around people that might be in a dangerous position health-wise. Yeah, my roommate had coronavirus and he said he had a fever for like a day. And then he felt fine. So I know it affects everyone differently. I'm not trying to say it's not deadly because it certainly can be. But um, you look around, um, if the healthcare system does not be, become overwhelmed, then I think you are very optimistic for a football season. That's just my take. I, I know someone's probably going to get really sick or maybe even pass away, a football player or a coach, something like that. But the optimism in me is telling me that that won't cancel a season. That's just me, Fitz. Yeah, I hope you're right. I, I think people will freak out. I, well, I think the first people, people freak to freak out, out yeah. <laughs> will, will be the lawyers, which will yeah. freak out everyone else. Um, and probably for good reason um, in terms of lawyer stuff, you know, legal exposure. As we start testing a lot more people, we're going to have more cases and we're going to find out more about this. We need knowledge. We need it all. We need the knowledge right now on how this affects people. Uh, and it, and you're right, Gills, your age group, if you're young and healthy, this really does appear to be less than the common seasonal flu for your demographic. It does. It just does. It doesn't seem like it affects young and healthy very much at all, although there have been some deaths, but usually there's underlying reasons for that. It's just scary. We've just, this is so bizarre. We have to deal with this. From Oiler Cat 2, what are your thoughts about eligibility of players if there is no season or even a shortened season? One of the benefits of the non-conference games is preparing for the conference games, but also adding experience for lower uh, for kids lower on the depth chart, but may be needed as the season goes along. I don't even know how they're going to – if they have to cancel the season – well, first of all, I don't think they'll cancel the season right now. I think they'll postpone it till the spring. The longer you can kick this can down the road, um, I think we all realize as soon as people can get a, vac- a vaccine in them and all the players are required to take the vaccine and everyone involved takes the vaccine and hopefully that helps, it'll really tamp this thing down because the spread won't be as much. So, But how they're going to handle eligibility if they have to cancel the season, I have no idea. How they'll handle scholarship loads, I have no idea. And I'm glad I'm not making some of these decisions that university athletic directors and coaches have to make. Because they'll have to be able to extend eligibility and still bring in recruits. I don't know how they'll handle it. I think it was last week that I talked about that. Just extend the seniors and let the freshmen come in and do it proportionally. I think that's the the fairest way. But I think, you know, one point he makes here, what do you do in the event of a shortened season? What if you play six games? You know, what, how do you deal with it that way? That's, that's even tougher. I think. No, we learned from basketball. They, they just called it off. You know, they only got a few games in on baseball and they, they said, okay, you have your eligibility back. I think if you get in half or more of the season, your eligibility is burned. Just, that's my guess on how they'll handle it. Yeah. But, like, if you play four games, you know, the freshmen can keep theirs. Do you, you know, do you let 
you know, a bunch of seniors that have already redshirted come back. Like it's just, there's more variables in football now with that four games for freshmen that they're allowed to play. Um, I don't, I don't know how you can extrapolate it, you know, proportional, you know, make everything proportional as to how much eligibility you might have left. But I feel like if, if they start the season and there's at least somewhat of a conclusion, like you can actually crown a champion, it's not just abandoned after four or five games. Um, I think that you'll probably be counted for, for as a full season. Talking about things that always um, could come out of this, this whole pandemic that are going to stick for a while. Um, this could be one of them, you know, a certain change in the eligibility rules. I'm not saying there will be, but who knows if, you know, the certain, you know, the seniors that, that are, um, you know, graduating, if they get to keep an extra, you know, year or someone, a freshman coming in, it's split a proportional, like you said, uh, say Zach saying Zach, if I can talk today, you know, who knows uh, something might come out of this that not only stays for a year, but stays permanently. Good. From Cliff Clavin, seven, five, four. If some teams in college football have to quarantine, does that mean we can see some thrown together power five matchups for the sake of having games? For example, mm-hmm. if K state and Minnesota have big 10 and big 12 opponents who cannot play on the same weekend, could they hop on a bus and play each other as fans? We could see some great matchups. I don't know. I'm, I guess it's possible. It could be really cool. I think if you see some thrown together, it'll be rosters. I think you'll see players shifting positions to fill gaps. You know, you'll probably see some rules listed on freshman eligibility that might go beyond four games. Um, I don't know. It's 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 going to be wild to see how everyone manages this and you might see a really talented team go into a game with a greatly depleted roster for the week and it totally changed the context of everything did i not talk about this last week i swear i mentioned this about yeah you you know you might have i listened to it yeah yeah you might have to you know the scheduling on the fly if two opponents you know two power five or whoever the opponents are if their opponent comes down with covid you know just scheduling a a game wherever you know hey uh, i think that that's a very real possibility kind of like i talked about with the uh you know the hurricane games or the storm games where they tack on games at the end you know in december when they're not playing a a conference championship game i think that's i think it's a real possibility that you could see some some wacky matchups um so these could be some really good games from a name standpoint, you know, say, you know, the iron bowl gets canceled and I don't know who K state's playing that weekend, but if K state and Bama, you know, (laughs) whoever, you know, you could have something wild like that, who knows? But I think that if, if we want to have a college football season, there are going to need to be some open-minded athletic directors and coaches being able to say, Hey, let's play a game. And it might just, you know, you might have seven days notice. It could be crazy. Yeah. I think you guys talked about this last week um, without me, but you know, whoever is the champion this season, there's going to be an asterisk by their name. Um, You know, like you said, if someone were supposed to play KU this weekend and then, Oh, someone comes down with coronavirus had to shut down and then we're stuck playing Auburn or Alabama, you know, it's just, it's not fair. So who knows what's going to happen. There's so many different questions there are. But uh, no matter what, I think that the champion this season is there's going to be an asterisk by it. From Follis Nelson, TN Cat posted a Sports Illustrated article about a theoretical conference realignment. What are your thoughts on this? Well, that you know that realignment was about college football. That's not going to happen for college football. College football isn't the problem. That's what was stupid about the article. I mean. College football drives the revenue, so why do you have to go more regional? I think college football is going to go the opposite, break off onto its own thing, and be more national. I mean, you can have, there's a revenue there to fly a team for a conference game from Arizona to North Carolina. In theory, there is. That money's there. I mean, if you're going to fly a team from, from uh, Kansas to Austin, you know, you can go a couple more hours to L.A. It, it, the yeah. money's there for football. 
The idea is regionalizing non-revenue sports. Basketball gets into a gray area. Probably the conferences will hold up for men's and women's basketball. Technically, women's basketball loses money, but you know, if you're going to do one, you'll probably do the other. My idea is regionalizing all the other sports, the ones that aren't bringing you revenue, that are all expense-laden so that you have athletic opportunities for track athletes and soccer players and tennis players and golfers to contain those in a region, meaning that maybe you're competing more with Wichita State and UMKC and you're playing, maybe you're in a baseball league with Nebraska, Nebraska, Omaha, Wichita State, and you're in, you know, you're driving to a lot of games. His proposal for the – it's like he got into politics too much. Why do you put Tulsa in a league with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, which makes sense, but you don't put Western, Central, and Eastern Michigan in with Michigan and Michigan State? Why do you put them in with Kansas State? That was the craziest alignment. It, his, his splitting up the MAC kind of got into, oh, these schools are way too good for those schools. If you're going to do it, you got to do it. If you're going to say it's going to be regional, then, yeah, all those MAC schools in Michigan will be in a, a league with the the power schools in the state of Michigan. It doesn't work for football. This this is an idea that needs to be perpetuated for non-revenue sports so they're not traveling great distances, let alone occurring the expense of flying. Play locally as much as you can. And honestly, what's a good and bad school doesn't have relevance in those sports. You know, I mean, there's there's some really great baseball programs. Coastal Carolina, for example. You, if you're on in on the East Coast, you'd love to have them in your conference. They're a really good team. Nebraska Omaha has had good baseball teams. I don't know if, if they've been like College World Series level in terms of getting into the playoffs at all, but the the structure what you have in your mind from college football or college basketball doesn't apply to all these other sports. Really good programs can exist at places that you don't know about. So uh, I like the idea, but not for football. I personally didn't like it very much. I didn't like the conference that he put K State in. Weird. You can draw, you can draw, you can draw borders all you want, and have you know you could you know move K K State and KU you know anywhere in Kansas or in the Big Twelve. They're centralized. You can portion them, map them to any place in the country. And it would probably make sense. You can make an argument for putting them anywhere regionally for the most part. But kind of, I kind of disagree with your argument, Fitz, about the regionalizing of other you know sports. If you look at the, the schedules for track and soccer or whoever else outside of the conference, they're already playing a lot of local teams, going to a lot of local meets. Um, a lot of the sports that they're, they might be traveling are sports you have to play in warm weather, like baseball. If you want to have a baseball team, you're going to be playing in California, Texas, or somewhere on the East Coast in the Southeast for February and March. You know, so it, if you're not going to build a dome, you know, you're going to be on the road for well, for forever. Yeah, um, maybe baseball is a little bit different because they typically go somewhere and stay. You know, they go to Texas yeah. or California and they stay for a prolonged period. They're not going back and forth. But what I'm getting at is, you know, for sports like track or cross country, you know, whatever else that's, you know, kind of small level like that, that isn't football or basketball, they're going to meets that are pretty efficient for them in the first place. If they were put in a different conference, they're really playing a bunch of teams that are already local. They're, not a lot would change for that. Well, I think, um, you're, I think that might be true of Kansas State because they've been – very cost cost conscious in the past, but not true for other places. They are sure. flying teams all over the place. Sure. Maybe more fair for K State, absolutely. Um, but I think generally, for sports that don't make any money, they're going to try being as as efficient as possible. And would this proposal make things more efficient? Perhaps. But I think that for what everyone's doing right now, I think it's probably. The system that exists right now exists because it does work. Um, it has worked. There might be some places you can fix some stuff, make it work better. But, right. you know, that's my my idea in business. Um, you know, if it's the most efficient way to do something is the way it's going to get done. And I don't know if if moving teams into the into conferences based on region like Pat 40 has done. I don't know if that's going to be more efficient than the system we have. 
Another question from Campy3507. Stadium projects. Gene Taylor has said there is a small but loud contingency of K-State fans that are adamantly opposed to building the new indoor practice facility in the East parking lot. While I couldn't agree with them more, imagine if they built it just north of the stadium across Kimball. Yes, you'd have to build some sort of bridge or tunnel over or under Kimball to make it work, but I'm sure they could figure it out. Do you have any idea why this is not possible other than the fact that it covers up the east side and eliminating the need to put a real facade on the stadium? Other than that, land not belonging to athletics and other departments and and being used by ag currently. I mean, that's the problem. It's not athletics yeah. land. It belongs to the ag department. They've, built, they've recently built a lot of buildings over there. I'm not crazy about where it's going, but I think the parking lot thing is a silly argument. So, yeah, um, yeah I, w- I wish it could go across the street. I wish it could go somewhere else. But I, I don't see anywhere really where it's logically good to build, and they want it directly connected to the football facility. So I'm not sure if if that can happen in this scenario. I mean, other than where they're going to put it. I don't know if there's a better place for it with the land they've got. Um, you know, it serves the purpose of kind of covering up that east side. I wish they would put a nice facade on the east side and build build an actual like business building in front of it where they could put all of their offices for the rest of athletics instead of putting them in the back of Bramlage right. with a, a bunch of offices that don't necessarily have windows. Um, but, yeah, I think that where it's going is – really about the best option if if you're not going to try acquiring land from the ag department which i don't i don't think they're going to give up um but yeah as far as the parking goes i mean it's not that big of a deal in my opinion i don't i I just i don't think it's a big deal what they'll do they'll probably pave that gravel lot everyone everyone that's displaced will get moved within a hundred yards probably of where their old parking spot was. That would be my guess. I don't think there's going to be that much displacement that people are worried about. I'm sorry that if you're listening and you have one of those spots and you adamantly disagree, but everything's going to be okay. It'll be all right. You'll still be able to go to games. You'll still be able to park closer to the stadium than you can at any other nine big 12 schools i'm confident you're not going to get screwed out of a parking spot you will have a parking spot it'll be people like the media who lose their parking spots and have to be bussed from somewhere don't worry you're going to be fine i'm for this and i'm probably actually losing my parking spot i i'm I'm not crazy about the location i think aesthetically it sucks but i don't know where else to put it yeah Uh, unless you do something crazy I don't know where else you put it and and fill the need to be efficient for football. I mean, really, the only other place maybe would be on the other side, but you now you're into the west parking lot and taking up space there. So I, I don't know. I don't know that that's any better. Maybe an option would be turn it 90 degrees and move it to the north and put it in the far north part of the east parking lot. Possibly, and then you could. That's over it, by the rowing building, isn't it? It would be between the rowing building and veneer. Gotcha. That could be another option. I don't know if it's a good option, but it hides the the east side from the street. You wouldn't see it from the street, so I don't know. But you, you, the the problem still exists. You're going to displace a whole bunch of parking spots, which will be replaced somewhere. I don't know where, but I don't think that they're going to have a net loss on parking spaces or at the very least accept a net loss on parking spaces. Exactly. Not trying to take a shot at you can't be or anything like this, but I mean, you even say that they'll have to build a bridge or a tunnel over under Kimball to make this happen. So, I mean, that's expensive. It could, but it's just not, you know, feasible. And like you said, Fitz, it's not the best thing in the world, but there's just nowhere else to put it. So yeah, I kind of like Zach's idea to have one end of the facility kind of, back up to football and then have it run lengthwise and take up like the street front and then have a grand entrance into the Bramlage slash Bill Snyder in stadium 
in one area. Uh, I, I know that I'm not smart enough to figure out traffic flow out of that, but um, I think that's probably aesthetically a better way. And then you can have the grass field or whatever field hidden behind the indoor facility. So that, too, is there in the parking lot. That's a lot of spots, but not, they they are determined to find equitable spots elsewhere. We'll see how that all pans out. Last question of the podcast from Adam K 63 Will the street projects around the stadium be complete by the first football game? I hear uh, it is a mess right now. It's horrible. It's so bad. They're, they're not sure on Kimball. I'm not – I don't know. They they always seem to pull it off, Zach. I don't know how. Yeah. It's like they – oh, it looks horrible. And then like the week before the game, it's like bump, 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 <laughs> boop, boop. It's like Bruce Weber got in there and took care of it. Bing, bang, boop, boop, boop. It's fixed. And that's what happens all the time. But it's so bad. We have so many streets torn up. I don't know. I don't know. Fitz, do you remember Kimball last summer and what they did? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, they essentially tore out one side, and then it was two lanes. They paved it, and it seemed like that first part took forever. And then you started driving on that new part, and they tear up the other side real quick, and they had it done in like half the time. It's looking like that. The, the part they've been working on on Kimball looks like it's pretty close to being done. Um, so, and I feel like this is about the same time frame that they got Kimball done last year as far as getting being able to drive on the new part, and then they tear up the old part to make it match. Um, you know, there's still two months till the first football game. Who knows if you guys are going to be allowed to come in anyway? Um, so it may not matter. Uh, I'm more worried about college because it's completely torn up. You basically can't access the hospital. I think the hospital has like one entrance. And that's it. So, uh, and I don't really know exactly what the, the project uh, is doing on college, but it's it's essentially torn. It's torn up worse than what Kimball is. I have more faith in Kimball than college right now, but, you know, who knows what, what those will look like. And like Fitz said, they always find a way to pull it off and get it done. Indeed they do. We'll talk to you later this week with the overtime. And um, we'll have another Life of Fitz next week. The Clint Stewart one is getting a lot of traffic. You haven't listened to it. It's great. Former K-State basketball player Clint Stewart was on Life of Fitz this week, and he was wonderful talking about Michael Beasley, Frank Martin, Jim Wooldridge, great basketball memories, and also getting into a lot of social stuff that's going on that he has some thoughts on. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the Fridge. Thanks for the Tanners and the High Low. We will be back next week with more of your questions from Wabash Station. You've been listening to the Power Cat Questions podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.